some of us, it was a long time ago, and for others, it was in our recent past. But at one time or other, we have all been dead men walking. Think back to the tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God commanded Adam not to eat from it, he tied a curse to the command. Do you remember? God said, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Like a bell tolling midnight, Abel died, then Adam died, and Seth died, and Enosh died, and so the list goes on and on. But the curse coursed deeper than physical death. The curse locked us all in a prison of sin. I want to acknowledge that for some of us, remembering who we were is painful. But if you are in those shoes, I just want to wrap you before I begin today in a warm blanket of God's guilt-free forgiveness. Rest assured that there is no condemnation in Christ. But at the same time, Paul cuts to the chase, reminding all of us who we once were. He says, quote, we were sons of disobedience, lost in the wind and the current of our sinful desires. When I was a young girl, our family took a camping trip to the green rolling hills of Pennsylvania. One day we packed a picnic and ventured out on a canoe trip. I remember the pic- picture perfect day, puffy white clouds polka dotted the bright blue sky. And with life jackets in hand, we were given one warning. Don't row too close to the far end of the lake. Awaiting there was a dangerous waterfall. Nodding our understanding, off we went. Suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, huge gusts of wind hit our happy little party. Dark, menacing clouds marched over the lake, pushing our two canoes, one with my dad and a few kids, and one with my mom and the other kids, closer and closer to the waterfall. Feeling helpless against the wind and the water's current, I remember I was terrified terrified. We paddled like we had never paddled before or probably will ever paddle again in our lives. But what if we didn't have paddles? What if we couldn't correct our path? What would have happened then? In Ephesians 2.2, we see this little English phrase, quote, following the course of this world. The word course in Greek has its roots in the word for a weather vane. Can you picture one on a farm, perhaps, or at the top of a hill close to an ocean or perhaps close to a runway? So when we were following the course of this world, whichever way the wind blows, you go. Whatever direction the current flows, so you follow. It is interesting to note that the wind is not haphazardly void of direction. The course of the wind blows where Satan, the power of the air, directs. And all of us, every last one of us, were once carried along like dead men in the current of our sins and transgressions and the fleshly passions and desires of the body and mind. We're going to get some specific examples of this in chapter four, but for now, I just want you to hold on to the picture in your mind of a corpse blown by the wind of the storm and the current of the lake, unable to do anything as the sky collapses into darkness. But God, what a powerful, hopeful, tender phrase. The brilliance of God's mercy and love shines brightly against the backdrop of our sin. 
As I stated in this week's Bible study, we were not simply drowning in need of a lifesaver. Rather, we were dead in need of resurrection. So there we were, a corpse floating on the winds and the currents of our sinful desires of body and mind, and God saw you and loved you, and in mercy, He breathed life into you and resurrected you up from death. If you are like me, then perhaps you view Jesus as the loving part of the Trinity and God as the wrathful part of the Trinity. But these verses help shift our understanding of the character of God the Father. I'm not trying to eliminate His wrath, but I want to make sure we understand that He is indeed, quote, rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. God's mercy and love saturate some of the earliest stories recorded in the Bible. Do you remember when God called Moses up on Mount Sinai and there gave Moses the command and the directions for constructing the temple? Do you remember what Moses returned to when he came down from the from Mount Sinai? The Israelites had taken their gold earrings, melted them together, and fashioned a golden calf who they then worshipped. From far away, Joshua told Moses he heard a cry of war in the camp. But as they neared the camp, they realized it was the sound of singing and dancing and my own words, a great big loud party in worship of the calf. In anger, Moses threw the stone tablets upon which God had written the commandments, and they broke. So God called Moses a second time up on the mountain to redo those same tablets. And on the mountain, God passed before Moses and he proclaimed his name and he said, quote, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Exodus 34, six and seven. I love the picture this Hebrew word for mercy paints. I am not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm sure I might pronounce this, and I really apologize if I do, but the root word there is uh, rachem. It's also the word for womb, that safe, tender, nurturing place where a baby develops and gains all of its nourishment. If you have been pregnant, think back on your own pregnancies. As you cradled your growing belly, you fell in love and you adored that baby, even though you hadn't even met him or her. This love is just a shadow of the merciful love that your father feels for you. And so he plucked your dead body out of the sea of sin and he made you alive in Christ. There are obviously a myriad of differences between a corpse and a living being, but for our time together, I want us to call to mind that a corpse caught in the wind can do nothing but follow the wind's current. However, a living man and woman has the agency to paddle against the current. At this point, it would be very easy to slip into a gospel of do more, work harder, be better, but there is a key phrase repeated in Ephesians 2 that reminds us how to live. In verses 5 and 6, Paul says that we were made alive with Jesus, raised up with Jesus, and seated with Jesus. Did you catch it? As Jesus said elsewhere, apart from me, you can do nothing. Our union with Jesus makes all the difference in the world. It makes a difference between being a corpse and a living man, between Satan working in us and God working through us, between us living in the passions of our flesh and us doing the good works he prepared for us. 
So when we forget this union with Jesus, or perhaps neglect abiding in him, or fall out of step with the spirit, the current of sinful desires tempts our flesh. So this is my encouragement to you. And this is my encouragement to me that as we walk in union with Jesus, as we continually interlock our minds and our hearts with Jesus through prayer and fellowship with the Trinity, we will be able to say, apart from God, we can do nothing, but through him, we can do all things. That fellowship, that union, it is crucial. It is essential for us to be able to walk the Christian faith. And we cannot live with neglect of that union that we have with God, that dependence that we have interlocked with Jesus. In closing, it's truly enough that God showed us his mercy and made us alive in Jesus. But Ephesians 2 tells us he does this so that in every coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to us. Time and time again, God pulls us into the cocoon of his love and shows us his kindness. About two years ago, I interviewed a woman on my podcast, Bold Mercies, who had lost her husband and two teen children in a plane accident. When I asked her about the weeks directly following the accident, she told me that looking back, she felt as though she was gently cocooned by God's love. What a beautiful picture in the midst of severe pain. We can never avoid the pain of a terribly broken world, but we will forever and always be cocooned in loving kindness so that we can say along with David in the Psalms, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let me just close our time together with prayer. Lord God, I thank you that you are a merciful and a loving God and that you did resurrect our dead bodies to life so that we can live for you, Father. I just pray that as we go about our days and our hours and our minutes that you, Lord, would remind us, would call to mind the necessity of our union with you, that apart from you, we absolutely cannot walk out this Christian faith, but in union with you, we can do all things, Lord. We thank you so much for being a good and gracious, loving, gentle, tender Father, even when this world is deeply broken, that we are cocooned in your love. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining me this week. I look forward to Ephesians 3 with you next week. Have a great week.